0: And now, The Low Post. Welcome to a joint special Low Post Hoop Collective podcast. My friend Brian Windhorst and I were both in transit at various hours to Los Angeles across the entire damn country when the Brooklyn Nets traded Kyrie Irving, ending the era of the greatest theoretical team of all time, which is actually already over when they traded James Harden anyway, uh, to the Dallas Mavericks for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, An unprotected, sexy, unprotected 2029 (laughs) first-round pick from the Dallas Mavericks and a second-round pick. And pointedly, they did not trade Kyrie Irving to the Los Angeles Clippers, the Phoenix Suns, or the Los Angeles Lakers appearing to prompt a emo, the kids' emo tweet from LeBron saying, "Maybe, maybe it's me which I immediately started singing in my head, the new Taylor Swift, it's not new, the Taylor Swift hit that is everywhere and all my daughter's friends are singing all the time. Um, Wendy, there is a lot to unpack here as this kicked off trade deadline week. And actually a lot of teams were relieved that it got done quickly so that other business can get done uh, on a more reasonable timetable. Uh, Whether that other business will include one, Kevin Durant is one of the big follow-up questions of this trade. Um, the trade deadline is in four days. Kevin Durant is still a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Wendy, there is a lot to unpack here. How are you?
1: Well, the Grammys were going on when we got here yesterday, Zach, I got here during the after party. You got here in the pre-party. So nobody around, uh, I almost said staples. I'll, I'll continue to say staples for a few years. No, there were, the streets were packed and nobody cared about Kyrie Irving when, uh, when I, when I got here yesterday, um, but to me, there's a, there's three stories here. Story one is the Nets. story. Two is the Mavericks and story three is the Lakers. And um, because the, 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 situation the Lakers are in with where they're at and with Kyrie is just fascinating. And I, I feel like, you know, obviously I talk to people nonstop either on phone or, or by text after that trade yesterday, all the way out here, all the way to the coast, I was texting with people from multiple teams as I was flying. And you know, you, when you are doing that, you are very nervous. You might you might say the wrong thing to the wrong person.
0: I've done that before, but, by the way not not in an incriminating, not in a bad way, just like a like a non like a nonsense way. Like, what what do you yeah. what what is this? Uh, just <laughs> once and just once. But but team executives have done it to me in a way mm. that is uh, potentially damaging for them. That's all I'll say.
1: Wow. Well, anyway, so there's so there's a lot going on here. Um, in a vacuum, which is hard in this trade, uh, I thought that the Nets did pretty well, considering they were under duress trading a star player. Um, obviously Kyrie is very polarizing, um, but one of the things that I've noticed in the response to this whole thing is the wide perception of what Kyrie's value is. Um, And that's obviously was difficult to make a trade because of it. Um, And so I actually thought, like, if we start with the Nets, they obviously had had enough. They had said no to Kyrie and Durant in the past. Um, They said yes to this pretty quickly by, uh, well, he made the trade demand on, what, Friday?
0: Friday, Friday afternoon.
1: By Saturday night, it was pretty out there that the Nets were, were going to trade him. That, that, I mean, and, you know, nobody knew for sure, but it sounded like the Nets were going to trade him. So they obviously came to the conclusion that they were done with him. Um, I don't want to speculate on Durant because nobody has a great handle on it. And I also know that one of the things that can get you into hot water real quick and you end up looking like a fool is to make an assumption on what Kevin thinks. Um, I suspect that Kevin was uh, cool with saying goodbye to Kyrie, which that in and of itself, we could do a whole podcast on that because this is a guy who said no to so many other options. When he signed there said no to other star players. And then even after the, the, the the partnership was really shaky, he without really needing to re-upped on it, with for 5 years with no player option. I mean, Kevin Durant held up his end of the bargain on this without question, especially for Kyrie. He sat around and watched Kyrie um cause issues left and right on the court, off the court during the season, off the season. So, the fact that KD reached the point as well, I I think, I don't know for sure, but I think saying sayonara, um that's remarkable. And then I I think Zach considering the constraints here that he's a free agent that him signing an extension as part of the deal was, was highly unlikely for a number of reasons that you're trading a player who famously is unreliable, including with his pledges to teams. That's not hypothetical. The man announced his love in a, in a, in a commercial for the Celtics. And then totally changed, wanted to decided he was not going to sign there like within a couple of days or weeks so with that profile getting two quality starters spencer dinway is a quality starter he is not a star he is a quality starter he's had and a Dorian- sneaky
0: he's had a sneaky good season uh, all the all the moaning about luca doing too much and Luke is doing too much, and Luca doesn't have enough help, and Spencer Dinwiddie is underqualified to be the number two guy on an offense. He's had a – all that said, he's had a good season. He's a good player.
1: He is a better player than Patrick Beverly. He is a better player than Jay Crowder at this point. I'm going to talk about other potential players yeah. that the Nets could have gotten in this deal. I don't know what potentials in the Clippers offer, but he would have been probably a better player than some of the guys that I could name there. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, who is – one of the best wing defenders in the league on a very good contract. He is a quality player um, to get two quality players and that pick. I mean, the other, the other picks too, but I think Sean, you know, I, I I have been very critical of the way the Nets have handled their business for the last three, four years on this particular one. I think Sean Marks did. Okay.
0: Let's start with Durant. Um, I've been saying, I've said a couple of times in the last six months, I think the idea that they're tied at the hip, is now is now in question and and this I think confirms that that was true for and has been true for a while I agree with you that speculating about what Kevin Durant wants is a fool's errand uh and not that's not to say that he's you know flaky or changes his mind or whatever it's like I don't know Kevin Durant like that I don't talk to Kevin Durant like that so but I will say from what I have heard it for not, not what I've heard since the Harden trade is I think I think it has potential to teeter obviously and I've been saying since the Harden trade that it just feels like the inevitable end of this is that he he asked for a trade for the second time having already done it for the first time I just don't know how likely that is or when it would happen around the league I think there would be some surprise even within the nets, if it happened in the next four days, because that's just, that's just all, that's an avalanche of stuff happening in a very short amount of time that all the league has to start preparing for. If it becomes a thing now, four days is still plenty of time for that to happen. Maybe it's the summer. Maybe it's never. Um, I still would bet on that. And like you use the phrase in a vacuum that's in my notes too, in a vacuum, this is a great trade for the nets. Like you just went off on, Kyrie Irving's reliability issues, blah, blah, blah. Like they got all they got. They got guys who help their team now, which is clearly a signal that they have not given up on the idea of Durant staying yeah, there. That to me supports Durant.
1: Season. That's to um, me. And by the way, I said, I said, Beverly, I Westbrook could have been Westbrook too. I feel the same way.
0: It's, it's fine. Um, uh, in a vacuum. The problem is like, and you want to celebrate the nets for pulling that off in a vacuum. In that vacuum, that's nice. In the larger ecosystem of the NBA, you just don't ever want to be in a position of having to sell low on a star player. You don't want to be able, you, you, it's hard to, when you zoom out, it's hard to celebrate the return they got for Kyrie Irving after what they gave up in cap space and organizational culture and just time, time, other paths not taken. For Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but also Kyrie Irving, it's hard to celebrate. How about Dinwiddie. how about
1: the uh, how about the star trade they made one year ago? When you want to, well, include we're, that we're, gonna, as well. we're 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 going to get to that.
0: <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to celebrate Dorian Finney Smith, and I love Dodo; he's awesome. And Dinwiddie and a twenty twenty nine pick in a second. It's hard to celebrate that when you look at what the Spurs got for Dejounte Murray. And what the Cavs got for Donovan Mitchell and what the Wolves got for Rudy Gobert. It's just like it's, it gets a little harder to celebrate that when you realize what was put in and what and what got out. And then it gets even harder to celebrate when you look at this is why I'll just always believe that the Durant thing is teetering because Durant comes to the Nets and the Nets trade all their best young players and draft picks for James Harden. James Harden becomes Ben Simmons and a couple of a couple of draft picks, a couple of draft assets, including a good Philly pick in 2027, I think. Um, and hovering over all of this, the biggest problem for the Brooklyn Nets is not Kyrie, it's not Harden, it's not all this return that we're talking about. It's that Ben Simmons is a zero. Ben Simmons is a zero. People keep building these, like, look at they get if they trade for Ben Simmons. Like Ben Simmons has 80 million dollars due to him in the next two seasons after this one and doesn't produce. And it's one of the three
1: worst contracts in the NBA. Let's just be and, honest.
0: And doesn't he's a late scratch for like every third game, and um, like I, I don't even know. I'm pro, I'm projecting the Nets' new starting lineup with Finney Smith and Dinwiddie and KD, and they still have Royce O'Neal and Joe Harris and Seth Curry and on and on for now. For now, we'll see who's on the team in in three days. Is Ben Simmons a starter now? Like, are they ready to just cut bait on the Simmons, Claxton? Like, why would I start Ben Simmons over any of those players I just mentioned? Claxton was a borderline all star. He has to start. That's their biggest problem. When you look at the asset flow of what's happened to Brooklyn, it's just an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. And they can fight as hard as they can. They can call the Raptors, who are super active with three days to go. And see if they can cobble some of this new stuff into Andanobi or Siakam or whatever. And the Raptors are gonna have strong offers, already do have strong offers for all those players. They can they see what they can get in the summer, and maybe they'll finagle something that makes Durant happy. Maybe Durant will just be happy being in Brooklyn. Maybe he likes New York City. Maybe he likes I know he likes Dorian Finney Smith. That's that was a guy he wanted them to get. If if they if they went down any kind of road with Dallas. But it's just like at some point the talent is the talent and the talent that's gone out the door is so overwhelming compared to the talent that's come in the door that it's just like,
1: oof, oof. Well, when you have to make under duress star trades, you usually lose. That's our friend Bill Simmons' old thing about four quarters don't make a dollar. So you've now broken the dollar twice and you're probably going to be a net negative. I. I do think that the nuts are trying to pivot. Um, this trade did not go through yet. Uh, I don't know when they've got a trade call set, but one of the reasons why you would delay putting the trade through would be to expand the trade to reroute players. This happens regularly in the modern NBA. Uh, I know that Kyrie is you know, ready to get on the first flight to, to Salt Lake, uh, which is where I think the Mavericks game is on Wednesday, but I'm not even sure the trade is going to be done by Wednesday. Um, so you know, we'll see. And and it was clear to the to the teams who did talk with the Nets, from what I understand, that you know, they wanted players that could help them now. They did not just want um
0: well, that's the Lakers' you know. biggest problem. The Lakers' biggest right. problem is they're paying the Piper for the rush trade in 9,000 different ways. And one of the ways they're paying the Piper for the rush trade is that the Nets did not want any of their players and over these Dallas guys. And we can talk about the Lakers later and whether Austin Reeves. And Max Christie were really deal breakers in whether uh, Kyrie was going to go to Lakerland, but they just they didn't have players that he wanted. That's that's the bottom. That is the most important reason that Kyrie Irving is not on the Lakers. It's not animosity I, toward the Lakers. It's not animosity toward Kyrie. We, we I think that. both those. I think both those things probably play into it. Like there's a lot of variables. To me, the most important reason he's not on the Lakers is the Nets looked at the Lakers players and said, "We don't want these guys, and we don't think we can flip them for anything good."
1: Yeah, that that's that was definitely out there yesterday. That Joe Sy had some directive that do not give Kyrie to the Lakers. Um, that's that's one of the things that the you know the Lakers had. There, there's an, a lake. There's a Laker exceptionalism that exists, and like so I don't even blame their fans for feeling that way, or even the Lakers organization for feeling that way, because like half of the, the players who become free agents or hit the trade market, they instantaneously want to play in LA. Instantaneously. Dude,
0: half, half of the best players in the history of the NBA have been Lakers at some point. LeBron uh, about to break the scoring record in front of Kareem.
1: Right. So so I can understand why every player that comes open, the Lakers are like, oh, we'll get it. You know, d- d- no big deal. Um, but also the concept that happens with the Lakers that everybody's against them, that nobody wants to help them. I mean, in general, I think if all things are equal, Um, a team would prefer not to help the Lakers uh, because the Lakers have those advantages and there's jealousy. But how often are all things equal? And in this case, all things were not equal. The Mavericks had a better offer than the Lakers. Even if the Lakers included the two picks, it's a better offer um, because I don't see Russell Westbrook or Patrick Beverly helping the Nets this year, which is obviously a priority. And I, I don't know what the Clippers put in there but Dinwiddie and, and uh, DFS are probably better than anything that the Clippers could have put in, at least in terms of active players. And, you know, the Suns, you know, the the, the Suns, and it was reported yesterday that, uh, that Chris Paul was involved in that, uh, and Jay Crowder. The, the Suns were very aggressive in pushing back on their – their interest in doing this trade. They absolutely talked to the Nets. Um, there was absolutely a feel that Kyrie had a lot of interest in the Suns, um, and that was one of the reasons I think why the Suns investigated it. Um, and I think that should be kept in mind for this summer. Uh, this is one of the things about the Lakers. The Lakers can still sign Kyrie this summer. It's yeah, not as simple. It's not as ri- simple as just you know that. That's but, a
0: risk for the Mavs here. Is that look I. Hachimura is fine like he's been fine for the Lakers and I know the whole narrative of that trade was well now they don't have cap space and maybe that's why Kyrie is exercising this power play now because his easiest route to the Lakers just got vaporized like the Lakers don't have to the Lakers can say goodbye to Rui Hachimura if it means opening up 32 million dollars of cap space to get Kyrie like Rui Hachimura is a nice player but he's not going. his bird rights are not standing in the way of a third star going to the Lakers
1: Agreed. And so that's, that's part of it. And we'll talk about the Mavs in a second, but um, I, I, I definitely, I don't think that the point is, I don't think that the Nets went into this. It was hard enough to execute this trade. They did not go into this with an objective. Don't, don't, don't let Kyrie go to the Lakers. Um, I think the Lakers burden was pretty high because of the lack of, you know, quality frontline players that they had to offer.
0: Can I, before we get to what was offered and what was not, and by the way, my least favorite part of this job is reconstructing what was offered and what was oh, not man. because no one tells me-
1: Yesterday was hard on that front. Yesterday was hard.
0: This was unusually, this was as bad as hard in Simmons in the amount of crazy information that was hard to verify. Um, and, and as I always say, like, there's a difference between spitballing with another team and making an offer to another team. And then the the timing, even for the executives involved, the timing and memories get muddled because there's just so many calls going on. It's like, I think I, I think we talked about that guy like two weeks ago, but we never offered him. Anyway, before we get to all that, I would like to compliment Kyrie Irving and his agent, Shatalia Riley Irving, who's his stepmother. Can, can, I, I think they actually played this pretty well. Um, in June, when Kyrie tried to do this and, and said, here's my list of teams I'd accept to sign and trade to, I'm not really... Sure, I want to be back in Brooklyn. The market was like, yeah, no, no, thanks, buddy. We all we all just watched the last season happen, and there was nothing about the Lakers, and that didn't turn into anything either. It turns out they played their they played their hand correctly, at least even even if they did it by accident. Guessing that in the middle of this season, with so many teams muddled in the middle, we will meet a moment of desperation where there will be more real offers to get us somewhere where we want to be and somewhere that we may get paid, how many years, we could talk about that later, um, and and actually get moving. And they were right. Like that Mavs offer is a real offer. Some of these other offers that are being reported, even if they're 60% true, are real offers. Yeah, And he moved. <clears throat> and this is after Brian Windhorst to talk about position of weakness that everybody was in, including Kyrie Irving, trying to get a real trade return for him. This is after two weeks ago saying, oh, the Mets have – we got no more halfway in players in this locker room this year, baby. You know, we're going to be fine <laughs> without Kevin.
1: Yeah. This is after
0: yeah. – and that was after saying he would never leave my man seven. Staying, oh, my God, I forgot about that. himself. Oh. This, and that was after oh – that was God. after getting swept by the Boston Celtics and announcing with a straight face – after a season in which you played 29 games and immolated your entire team, that you and Sean and Joe and Kevin were going to manage the franchise together. After all of that, after all the reliability concerns, after the fact that this dude just never plays in more than half the games now this year he has, they got a real return. They found a real trade destination. And I don't know. Who knows what was maybe or maybe not talked about in terms of an extension. As Bobby Marks has written, the team that trades for him now can only offer him a two-year, $78 million extension. I think that was used maybe as a cudgel, maybe as a ploy by some of the teams that were interested in him that would like to have seen him sign that deal as part of the yeah, trade. that's
1: that's, that, that's uh, Regardless of the years, that's a below-market value deal for Kyrie. Of course they wanted it. The
0: rumor going around today is that three years is going to end up being where w- was going to end up being where th- whatever team ended up with Kyrie Irving ended up on a new contract we'll see but they they played they played their hand pretty well and they were they were right that you know the Mavs are on the clock with Luca and not only that they look up at the Western conference now I don't love this trade for Dallas and we'll get there soon but they look up at the Western Conference like the Kings are six games over 500. The Warriors are about to miss Curry for a month. We're going to talk about that later. The Clippers just can't get really going. The Lakers can't get really going. Like, yeah, we traded two rotation players for one. We got smaller. We got worse defensively. We're going to be amazing on offense. Who's Who are we scared of in the West? Like, I, I don't really buy them as a contender. We can talk about that. But I don't know. I think I think Kyrie and his team actually... I begrudgingly say this because I, I just would not be in the business of having Kyrie Irving on my team. Period. At this point, I agree. But of I think I they, I, I, I think they played it pretty well.
1: <clears throat> what I don't understand is if you look at Kyrie Irving's numbers, they're the exact same this year as they were last year. I know last year he's only playing half the games, but why is all of a sudden nobody wanted to touch him in the summer, but now a bunch of teams want to touch him? It's just the, it's just the scarcity why- of talent.
0: That's why the Phoenix one, and I know we're not going to really talk too much about Phoenix because it didn't happen. Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and draft equity was reported. I know that people around Chris Paul are are kind of trying to figure out like how real that was. That one just it doesn't. I'm not saying it's wrong because I don't know. It doesn't pass the smell test. We're like, why am I doing that? What 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 what? I I, I get like I get the aging thing with Chris Paul. I get all that. It's like. I'm upending my team for this dude. I I just don't get it. Something is off with that one to me.
1: Yeah, again, this is where we get into the shades of gray where, you know, you could say it was exploratory or it was real, which was it, you know? Um, The thing about the Suns, first off, they're going to have a new owner. They essentially have a new owner now. Um, Matt Ishbia was at the game in Detroit, which is where he lives or I think he lives in maybe Grand Rapids, but he lives in the Detroit area. The Suns were in Detroit on Saturday. James Jones was in Detroit on Saturday. I think they probably spent, I think they did a little bit more than say hello to each other, okay? So Ishbia is already involved. He's going to get the team either Tuesday or Wednesday. So his role in all this is a little bit, we don't know. Like So the Suns started doing things with the new owner. Like I don't know. I mean, I've heard people talk to me about Ishbia, but I don't know what he's doing for all I know. Well, I don't want to speculate, but the Suns are into a gray area in general right now because they're, they're changing owners hours before the trade deadline on a team that's underachieving that has, that is on its own clock, high expectations. So the Suns, I believe even beyond this trade deadline are going to go into a period where we're really not going to have a good feel uh, and a way to project what they're going to do. The Chris Paul thing in and of itself is interesting because his contract next year is only half guaranteed. It's $30 million, $15 million guaranteed. They have, they could obviously just keep him. They could trade him or there's a third option. They could wave and stretch him this summer. Then all of a sudden the cap hit is 5 million and not 15 million. And they would have to do some other business, but they could be a cap space team. Um, you know, I don't know if they could get to the number where they would go after a guy like Kyrie Irving, but they might be able to get to the number to go after another free agent point guard, like maybe Fred Van Vliet, like having a discussion about whether they want Chris Paul to be their franchise point guard after this season is a legitimate thing because because of the, because of the way he's playing this year and the structure of his contract. So, um, I think it's responsible within an organization to do that. The problem is, is that when it when it gets out there about your business, it obviously causes a lot of a lot of problems. But the Suns, to my knowledge, were not the bidders at the end. I think at the end, it was Lakers and Mavs. Yeah, Uh, Lakers and Mavs. Let's talk about the Mavs.
0: You want to talk about the Mavs first? Let's talk about the Mavs. And that was before we get there. The the Clippers. Again, I don't know exactly what was offered. It's been reported that it was man canard a pick and a couple of swaps i don't believe that to be accurate i think whatever the offer was it was less than that and maybe substantially less than that and that they were not in it at the end
2: it's demon time on prize picks where you can now win up to 100 times your money that's right 100 times your money With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, PrizePix is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just download the app today and use code LOW for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LOW on the PrizePix app for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy you can now stream the most mlb
0: games on DIRECTV without a satellite dish yes catch the clutch hits strikeouts grand salamis web gems with nothing on your roof so who's there up there whether it's roofers santa birds old timey chimney sweeps moody teenagers thrill-seeking raccoons watch out for them you name it they won't find a satellite dish but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call one 800 DirecTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Let's talk about the Mavericks. Um... Who now have a, a little bit of a thinner team? Uh, uh, uh lost their best wing defender, and in infinity Smith, um, and their options are generally either play more smaller, where Luca is sort of the de facto power forward. You could you could maybe start Kyrie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr., Luka Doncic, and a big man play bigger once they get healthy with more of Kleba and Christian Wood. Um, this is a big big moment for Josh Green. Who I think maybe they should just start over Tim Hardaway Jr. or Reggie Bullock. Pick one of them. He's having a sensational shooting season, fifty-five percent overall. I think forty-one percent on threes. He's a much better defender than Hardaway. Um, a little stouter on defense, and he's just kind of a smart ball mover. Um, it's a big moment for him, you know. And again, the defense is an obvious question. We we it doesn't take a genius to see that. The age gap between Kyrie and Luka is almost eight years. That's always interesting when something like that happens, uh, particularly when when the best player is the younger player and not the 31-year-old player, as was the case when LeBron and Kyrie <coughs> were together. Um, these are all obvious questions. Um, they can... Uh, the, by trading only the 2029 pick unprotected, they still have some draft ammo. Once they once they send this pick to the Knicks this year, all four of their 24, 25, 26, and 27 first rounders are unencumbered. They can't trade all four because of the stepping rule, but they could trade two of those. Um, and, and again, like I said in the West, all these teams are so up and down. And the one team I forgot to mention, the one team that on paper you would think, well, they're a level above us other than the Nuggets. Is Memphis and they're uh, like so wildly up and down in a major slump again, missing Stephen Adams terribly, and have this whole controversy that the Athletic reported yesterday about John Morant and John Morant's associates yelling at Pacers players, uh, it's Pacers staff, uh, accosting them after the game, and a red laser pointer attached to something, maybe just a laser pointer being pointed at a car full of Pacers staffers, the NBA investigated it, could not corroborate that there was any kind of weapon or anything like that. But the Grizz are all of a sudden like, and by the way, an obvious Durant team, if Durant ever became available, they're all of a sudden a little bit like, whoa, are they kind of too young and and inexperienced for all this? Like I can see the Mavs saying, hey, we got these two dudes. We've seen what Luka and Jalen Brunson could do together. We're getting a super duper offensive version of Jalen Brunson. We can pair them in the pick and roll, just like Kyrie paired with LeBron in what became the Cavs go-to play against Stephen Curry and the Warriors. And as anytime they were stressed, that was the go-to play. You can't switch it. Can't hedge it. Can't drop it. There's no good answer for it. Um, I just look at this team and I think I, I I don't think I buy it as a contender as presently constructed. I think they could be good. I, I understand the chaos in the West has a little bit of an opening, maybe their offense is going to be so good that I'm wrong. I just have enough questions about their defense and, and and their depth, I guess. What, what's your take?
1: I, this team continues and continues and continues to remind me so much of the Cavs. In the first time LeBron was there, I just can't help it. Um, and the parallels are unbelievable. Um, I've gone over this before, but Um. You know they botched the situation with Jalen Brunson. The Cavs botched the situation with Carlos Boozer. Both like I think Boozer ended up did making some All Star, an All Star team or two. You know like both like high like borderline All Star players that were really good with their star. Um, they both sort of achieve. You know they are ahead of schedule. The Cavs made the playoff, made the finals or second year in the playoffs with LeBron. Second year in the playoffs with Luca. I think it was the second year the Mavericks make the conference finals and the pressure that starts to feel like, how do we get a second star? How do we get a guy for Luca? Um, and, uh, I remember two years before LeBron left, they trade for the Cavs trade for Ben Wallace who, you know, a different NBA obviously, but the concept was, you know, this guy was going to be a defensive monster and he was past his prime and he wasn't. And then, you know, later they traded for Antoine Jameson and Shaquille O'Neal, but, you know, Ben Wallace was the first kind of big move. And um, that's what I look at here. The Mavericks are living in a world where Luka is sitting there, and I know he's under long-term contract. LeBron was under long-term contract. He had multiple years, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, if you're Luka, you're sitting there going, you know, Chris Haps Porzingis is doing okay with the Wizards. You know, he's not a star, but he's doing okay. Jalen Brunson is being great for the, the Knicks. These are two guys that walked out the door. I know they have Dinwiddie, but these guys are two guys who walked out the door that you know would be nice to have them on the team. And so I don't think the word desperate is accurate, um, but the, the 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 Mavericks felt a little bit of pressure. Obviously, they felt some pressure. you
0: don't you don't trade yeah. for Kyrie Irving. You don't trade real oh, stuff for Kyrie Irving if you don't feel pressure.
1: But I do think it's a, it's, it's a bit of a hedge. And, 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 and when I talked to, talk to a bunch of just so many people yesterday, this is, there's a, certainly a faction of the – some people thought I was crazy. Some people said to me, no, it's absolutely a desperation trade. You're out of your mind. Uh, but uh, that's just a raw feeling. They also kind of want to put down the Mavericks, you know, whatever, because another team makes a big deal. It's not them. They feel a certain way. You, you, you have certain people who look at things a little bit differently. But I talked to multiple people yesterday who said, this is kind of a hedge because if the, if this works out, which I would bet against, but if this works out, <clears throat> uh, great. Now they have Luca and Kyrie. They maybe get Kyrie on a, on a, a less than four year deal. I think two years is what teams probably want. Kyrie's probably going to want four. We'll probably settle on three. If he stays there, that'll probably end up where the other next team gets them, where whoever that team is. And I wish him luck because he's, taking wrecking ball to three straight teams. I have no reason to believe it won't be four or five. Um, but if it works out great, they've, they've um, they've, they've definitely gotten another star and, and for everything that you talked about, if it doesn't, if this is an implosion in Kyrie torpedoes, another situation and they get to the summer, they still have options in their hand. They'll have Kyrie's bird rights. They could sign and trade him. We just talked about how there were four teams in a day and a half that we're at least interested in making some sort of offer. The chances are there will be some teams this summer that would have interest in Kyrie Irving. If Kyrie Irving just walks away, they are but they are in position, and they'd have to say goodbye to, to Chris, Chris Wood. But I don't think that's a deal breaker. They could have over thirty million dollars in cap space.
0: Is Darren, and, is Darren is Darren Williams a free agent this summer?
1: <laughs> he is available. Dwight's probably a free
0: agent this summer.
1: Yeah. Well, like like I said, the Cavs. DeAndre Jordan.
0: They could try to kidnap DeAndre reverse kidnap DeAndre Jordan again.
1: A reverse kidnap
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just saying we all talked a big game about the Mavericks cap space, and the Mavericks cap space just never gets them anything.
1: Hey, Zach, that is a completely reasonable thing to say.
0: then again, they haven't had Luca. Lucass they, they have they have Luca,
1: you know, in his prime. but but if, if and by the way, people said this to me yesterday don't talk to me about Mavericks cap space and that's fine, but they still have that off ramp. It's still sitting there and exists for them. And as you mentioned, they have uh first round picks. Now Bontemps yesterday was screaming at me because I was talking about what well, the Mavs
0: it sounds terrible by the way.
1: Yeah. that You know, that the Mavs have cap cap space. And he's like, what do they have to trade? Don't tell me about their cap space. They just gave away the players that they would have to trade, you know, but, they are not in the same boat as the Lakers would have been where if they did this deal, the Lakers would literally have nothing. The Mavericks still have some stuff. So I don't, I would not have traded for Kyrie Irving. Okay. I'm not, you know, in my personal opinion, I would not bring him into my program and it is a a litany of reasons and um, the definition of insanity and all that stuff. I don't see why now Kyrie Irving is everything's a-okay. And and last year, he was, you know, a lightning rod because he is playing. It would be one thing if he averaged 17 points last year and shot 35%. Look at this year's numbers. They're exactly the same. He is the exact same player with the exact same problems. And why teams want him now and didn't want him then is the definition of why the NBA is crazy.
0: And you got to give it
1: to I think the Mavericks hedged. That's what I think.
0: And you got to give it to Kyrie. He cycles somehow, some way from one all-time Pantheon player to another, to another, (laughs) to another, which is why since, since Cleveland with LeBron, you can just look it up. His team's records, whether he plays or does not play, are literally exactly the same. The winning percentage is exactly the same. That's a little bit about Kyrie, but that's a lot about like if LeBron and Luka and KD and Jalen and Tatum and all these dudes are still playing, we're going to win a lot of games even without Kyrie. I will say I have always been a believer that the numbers that you just cited, the shooting numbers, uh, overrate his impact on winning. That's not to say that he's a losing player or not a winning player. Kyrie is a winning player. He won a championship with the Cavs. He was sensational that entire playoff run, not just the shot over Curry. He is going to thrive next to Luka Doncic. I have zero worries about their fit on offense, about there only being one ball, blah, blah, blah. That's the easiest part of all of this. Now, what we'll get there later. I I just think between his on-again, off-again defense – forget the off-court stuff. His on-again, off-again defense, his tendency to break scheme and break plays, his – um, his playmaking is is very good when he wants to be a playmaker and sometimes isn't. Um, I just don't – I I think we all get seduced by, like, his ability to make what is a 35% shot for regular players 45% of the time. We lift him up into in kind of an immortal stratosphere where I just don't think he belongs as a player that impacts winning. Another thing I think he's going to do in Dallas, by the way, that I like, and he did this with the Nets, too. He got them running a little bit in Brooklyn. He likes to push the pace and throw hit-ahead passes and get moving. I think Dallas needs to get moving. I think the offense will be fine. Um, so you got to give it to him for that. Um, and and he, the optimistic telling of this is, you just mentioned Luca made the conference finals in his in his third playoff run, right? Like, I think it was his third playoff run. It was bubble. Clippers next uh, year, the Clippers. bubble
1: always, uh, The I, always the bubble in my, I'm sorry. You're right. I forgot about
0: he's that. so good. And even when they didn't make the conference finals, all they did was push a team that everyone thought could win the championship. Everyone thought had built the greatest two wing combination we've seen since Pippen and Jordan to the absolute limit to the point that that team, the Clippers never wants to see that dude again, ever, ever. He's that good
1: nobody wants to see you think the suns want to see him again nobody (laughs)
0: nobody he can win play he is a one-man scheme destroyer there is no scheme for him you put an all-world offensive talent like Kyrie Irving next to him you are just not going to stop that team you're not you're going to have to outscore them you're gonna have to limit them to like 80 percent of elite production with some luck and some good scheming and you're gonna have to outscore them um and and the optim that's the and the optimistic telling along with that is that as I said before you look at the west it's like well It's there. It's there for us. And the the pessimistic telling is, I keep saying this, like there's a difference between a team that can win any playoff series and a team that can win three or four. You have to be so good and so together and such a two-way force to win three and four playoff series. And the Mavs were a very good defensive team last year. They're not this year. And the comparison that everyone wants to make anytime you put two ball-dominant players together like this is – hey, well, remember when Chris Paul and James Harden played for the Rockets and there were all these questions about one ball and how does it work and whose style prevails and all this, and they staggered the minutes, and they almost not only won the championship, they almost beat the greatest team ever assembled in a seven-game series. The difference between that team and this Mavericks team is across the board, that Rockets team had elite defenders all over the place, including Chris Paul, but Trevor Reza, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, on and on and on. That's not the case for this team. I know Perk has already said they can make the finals. He's bullish on them. I'm less bullish on them as a present-day contender than that. I understand the optimist case, and I understand, believe me, how awesome Luca is. Um, I Contender is too rich for my blood.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is the Western Conference's fluidity.
0: I don't know what to make That's- of this Grizzlies thing, by the way. I, I just do Well, let up. me just
1: say. Can I just say that, like, this is now two situations with John, ja his his friends and family, that are now spilled over into the public eye with the other lawsuit. I have no idea what's true. Okay, but we can say that there's two situations now where there's been some level of investigation. They they routinely now let their play kind of distract things and. The Dylan Brooks thing, like that wasn't, you know, that that Dylan Brooks hit, um, hit uh, Donovan Mitchell in the groin. Like, uh, the reason that happened, and the reason there was a a, a a minor fight there, was because everybody who plays the Grizzlies can't stand them, and it's because of the way they talk, and you know, they all follow Jaw's lead in that regard, and uh you know the way that they approached this season was not you know the, you know we're not worried about anybody in the west or whatever i mean well, the first thing i thought about was greg popovich the sage of all sages who developed the concept of appropriate fear um, popovich's rule is you fear everything you know you handle your business because you fear everything you are, you are, you know you don't uh you know you don't pass out but you prepare for every situation and every opponent with the appropriate amount of fear that they can beat you and here you know that's like the old master five time champion you know gold medal winner hall of famer say an appropriate fear then you've got Joss saying you know we're good with everybody it is the complete opposite end of the spectrum I will say that in a way, the Grizzlies confidence is a weapon, you know? Uh, so I, sure. I, I, always, I always thought that like the, the Warriors, um, that, that they're, they're, the, the joy that they played with was a weapon. They used that joy that they play with at the top of their game to torture other teams. Like it psychologically bothered them that the Warriors had so much fun taking them apart the 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 confidence that the grizzlies play with dissipates their lack of experience because you know but there is a downside to playing with that and frankly they're borderline out of control and their being out of control is causing all kinds of problems and as you just said if you're going to win three playoff series or four to win the whole thing you've got to show control and they are not in control and ja is not in control and it's Worrisome, but I, I do want to talk before we, you know, I, that's a separate thing. And I'll, you can say what you want about that, but I do want to talk about the Lakers. But yeah, go ahead. To, yeah. Yep. I but, was, but go, no, but, go let, but, but go ahead on the Grizzlies.
0: No, I, I got nothing more to say on the Grizzlies. I'm going to let you have the floor there. We do need to talk about the fallout for the Lakers, who are still going to be active at the trade deadline, still have both those first round picks that we've been talking about incessantly, do not have Kyrie Irving. Um, Yeah. I mean, the Lakers are four games under 500. Anthony Davis looks incredible. LeBron looks incredible. Uh, The sporting cast isn't good enough. We all know this. I'm sure they'll explore more stuff. Um, We all know the names that are available from the few teams that are actually selling. We all know the prices are high. I just, I just wonder what. Clearly, there's, I, clearly, there's some consternation within the organization that they weren't able to get this done. And I, 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 I think we already talked about why they weren't able to get it done. Um, I don't know. what's What do you think the fallout is here? I mean, obviously, all eyes are going to be on LeBron James. He's about right. to break the scoring record. He's under contract for next season. And that's it. Got player option after that. I've said all along, I think you've said all along, everything I've heard is his preference by leaps and bounds is to finish his career as a Los Angeles Laker. But when he made those comments to Dave McMenamin in response to a Dave McMenamin question about two months ago or over the holidays or something about this kind of record, this kind of losing is not what I'm about. I don't want to essentially, I don't want to finish my career toiling for a play in spot. that was the loudest alarm bell of, of a series of alarm bells that his patience is not infinite. I don't think he wants to leave Los Angeles. I don't think he wants to leave the Lakers. But I don't think his patience with this is infinite. And I don't know what that means. But the next four days are really meaningful. And this offseason is really, really meaningful.
1: Yeah. So I would say this. First off, let's not judge the Lakers trade deadline until the trade deadline has arrived.
0: Four days okay. left.
1: Okay. So that's, that's number one. And I would say the same thing. If LeBron was sitting here right now, he wouldn't want to listen to me, but I'd say the same thing. And but by the Wait- way, same applies
0: to same applies to the Mavs, the Nets, the Suns, the Clippers, yeah. all these teams we're talking about.
1: For sure. That's number one. So let's see. Is Rob Polinka under some heat? Yes, absolutely. But Rob Polinka was already under heat. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I wrote a piece that published on ESPN.com today directly basically about the Lakers situation. And that is that the Lakers are trying to behave Like a responsible franchise. And LeBron is trying to behave like a responsible superstar. He signs the extension when he absolutely didn't need to. He didn't need the money. He didn't need the security. He signs that extension. And not only does it remove his free agency from being an issue at all for now, but it takes up any trade. uh, He's not allowed to be traded for Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain in their prime. Uh, I, I keep seeing people make this mistake. I'm sure people listening to this podcast, listening 40 minutes in, they they know that. But LeBron cannot be traded, so, so he does that. He has he has said how many times? 20 times this year when he's asked publicly about trades or whatever. That's Rob's job. That's Rob's job. That's Rob's job. Which obviously LeBron has incredible influence and retains that incredible influence. But he he's he's sort of bent over backwards to not put any clear public pressure on them. Now, part of that is because the Westbrook trade was such a disaster that he just he's like, I'm out of that right now. I, I don't want to be a part of that. But he's trying to help the organization do that. At one point, I think he gave an interview after a game said that, and then he had a discussion with Sam Amick from The Athletic on the way to the bus and Sam reported something they said and LeBron immediately jumped in on Twitter. And I like, clarified it, because he, 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 you know, he has moments where he wavers, but he's, he's trying, you know, you know, that scene in, um, in Pulp Fiction. You oh, think, yeah. you think you're, you think you're listening to be the shepherd. I'm trying to be I'm just the trying, shepherd. I'm trying. What? Well, I can't remember the the character. He said, I'm trying Ringo or whatever, trying real hard to be the shepherd. Okay. He's trying so hard. Now Here I just link- want to do
0: 15 minutes on how Pulp Fiction is amazing. Yes. But we can't do that.
1: I would love to do that. I'd love to do an hour. <clears throat> Palenka is trying to be a responsible general manager, right? He's trying not to go all in for things that are not really good fits. He's trying not to get beat in negotiations, right? He's trying to be a responsible general manager operating with a very limited number of assets. He's again said on the record several times, we have to be judicious. We have to be careful. Like in the textbook for how a team is supposed to operate with its star, the Lakers are behaving like a functional team. The problem is their circumstances make it a completely non- normal situation. And so here they're sitting in third place with a 38 year old having this incredible season with the clock on his career, banging, banging in the distance. And they have a guy, I would go so far as to say that Kyrie is the best perimeter teammate LeBron has ever had. They are a perfect, their games are a perfect match for each other. Now, the problem is Kyrie doesn't like to play that way. And that was one of the reasons why he pulled the ripcord, but what do you need next to LeBron? Play, well, play, what,
0: play what way?
1: The perfect way for LeBron to be able to play, especially in a playoff setting, is somebody who can take a possession, let him take a possession or two off where he completely is the, is the shot creator. You know, LeBron can go stand over in the corner and rest because you need that in the playoffs and the guy can cook, all right? Doesn't need LeBron's help, all right? But also can go be a spot-up shooter, but also can be a pick-and-roll player. That is ideal. I guess the most ideal would be a player in that situation who could also defend. But, like, that's a better fit than Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade can't shoot. Dwayne Wade can't floor space for LeBron. So, So Kyrie and LeBron were perfect together. That team in 2015 was awesome. Kyrie broke his knee. The team in 2016 won the title. And the 2017 team was one of the best teams in NBA history that didn't win because they ran into that buzzsaw. People forget about that. They were 12-1 and in the Eastern Conference playoffs.
0: I think about that team like once every three days. I never forget about it.
1: That's Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. And probably the best big man he ever played with is Anthony Davis. I will tell you that the idea of Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis playing with LeBron is a dream scenario. Unfortunately, in the dream, you know, in reality, Anthony Davis gets hurt and Kyrie Irving freaks out. But if everything was all lined up there, looking at that on the court, you'd be like, oh my God, this is like the perfect set of running mates
0: there's, there's no for question. LeBron. There's no so question.
1: Here you have the Lakers trying and LeBron trying to be good people and good, smart soldiers. But the dysfunction from the past, their sins from the past, crawl up and envelop them. And so here you have LeBron yesterday figuratively slamming his head against the wall. Figuratively slamming his head against the wall. Why can't this work for me? Why can't this work for me? Why can't this work for me? And the Lakers saying, we're just trying to be responsible. We're just trying to be responsible. And the thing is, like, they're both right. And that is the story. Of the 2022 23 Lakers, a functional team that cannot outrun its past dysfunction. And, and that is why LeBron is frustrated. And that is why Polinka is in a tough spot. And that is why, you know, part of the, this team is probably at the end of the day not going to be successful.
0: passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. LeBron, AD, and Kyrie went healthy. With whatever is left over, can absolutely win the championship. Now, when healthy and available, obviously, is a giant question mark for every team, more so for that theoretical threesome than some others. Absolutely can win the title. That's how good those three dudes are together. Completely in agreement on that. And that's why this idea that the Lakers were willing to offer both picks and Russ and then balked when the Nets were like, well, we want Austin Reeves and Max Christie in a swap. I just don't I, maybe that's true. Maybe there was a communication gap between the teams as happened sometimes in these <clears> things. <throat> I just feel like if if both picks are in, and I am not a hundred percent sure that was the case, but I, I would guess that it you can't be in the conversation. I don't think if you're the Lakers without both picks being in, given that Russ is just dead money to the Nets. And it's difficult for them to protect either of those picks because of the seven year rule they 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 can't trade anything past. 2029 and they traded their 2029 second round pick to the wizards for Rui Hachimura. So they can't do the thing where like, well, if you don't get this 2029 first, it becomes a second. They don't have a second. Um, I, what do you, where are you on the picks and whether they were both in?
1: I think they were both in. I do too. <clears throat> but um here's the thing. I think the Lakers, I really think the Lakers were interested in making sure they could get Kyrie signed to an extension. I think the Lakers the, the, the were worried. Two,
0: the two-year, the two-year, seventy-eight. Yeah.
1: And to be clear, that's all Kyrie could sign for. I know you've said that. <clears throat> There's a bunch of different reasons why you'd want Kyrie on that extension. One of which is it's below market value. Okay, but the Lakers were in a position where, living with the scars of the Westbrook trade, where they painted themselves into an absolute corner. Where they're still in that corner. They, they're, they're now they're sort of tiptoeing against the wall, trying to get out of it. They couldn't. <clears throat> And again, in a vacuum, <clears throat> they couldn't repaint themselves into a corner again because, again, even if Kyrie comes off the, the private jet in purple and gold and tattoos the seven, 17 titles across his forehead and you know announces that he's his love for playing for the Lakers, you can't trust him. You can't trust him. I, I don't care what he says. He could very easily just say until I first eh. I'm going to go play for the Red Sox. Like, you know, like I, 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 so I kind of get why the Lakers were like, look, we our investment. Like, this is it. Like, this is a trade we're making. We've got to protect it. And so I think it was very hard for the Lakers to give everything they possibly had for something that was not locked down. And I don't think Kyrie was sign that extension. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I, I would advise him again in a vacuum. This is a laboratory. And I was presented with the data. I would say to Kyrie, do not sign that extension. So I think the Lakers were always going to be in a hard place, giving everything, everything that they had, the swaps, the young players. It, I mean, again, you can, you can like, you can make the statement. How could you not include, include uh, Austin Reeves? Reeves? You didn't get Kyrie Irving for Austin Reeves. like, you can make that statement and it can sound good. And it's awesome for sports talk radio. And I'm sure Palenka will get whipped with it or whatever, but that's not exactly true. It's, it's way more nuanced than that. And I recognize that in this moment, we're all feeling this way. Like it's not a moment for nuance, but I I think the Lakers were just trying to protect themselves but the scars and the dysfunction of the past caught up with them. Um, that's why they don't have Kyrie Irving.
0: Should we talk about, um, is there anything more on this trade or should we quickly talk about Steph Curry potentially missing some time and yeah. what we think
1: about that? Yeah.
0: Um, Steph Curry has an injury that I didn't understand. It's beyond my vocabulary. Um, they They did not put a timetable on it.
1: I've never seen an injury like this. Actually.
0: I've been told. I'm prepping for a month, based on what I've been told. I think it could be less, but less just get you to All Stars. So they're not, and don't, they're not going to bring them back for a game before All Star. Could be more. Could be more if it doesn't. It could be five, six weeks.
1: From what I understand, the injury is not that severe in terms of structural damage, but it's very painful. And so you know, and and so that's. Uh, but 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 again, I'm not an orthopedist. But go ahead.
0: So so if he misses a month, that's about twelve to thirteen games. And this is, we, we did this last time and I cautioned people against it. Like there's always this panic about, oh my God, they're doomed. Look where they are. The stand is they're going to fall. And then you wake up and they're like, oh, they went five and five without Steph Curry. They're seven and eight for the season without Steph Curry. Wiggins missed a bunch of those games too. He's back. He still kind of doesn't look like Wiggins yet, but he, he's fine. Um, their schedule over those 12 to 13 games is pretty easy. Not pretty easy. It's just middling. In fact, weirdly, seven of those 12 games are against either the Lakers, the Clippers or the Blazers who are all in their sort of stratosphere. And how many these, are,
1: how many are at home? That's like
0: it's, it's, it's even, it's pretty even but okay. three of their next 12 games are against the Lakers. He's going to miss three Lakers games um, in, in this stretch. And yeah, they're one game over 500. You know, if they really just, if they go three and nine, that's going to be a problem. Um, they shouldn't go 3 and 9 based on how they've played without curry when they know there's a difference between curry on the bench in games and knowing curry's not going to play and rejiggering your rotation to account for that. And the other thing is like again, the, all this panic about what their record is going to be. All these other teams are 500 teams. They're all going to be 500. Like that's what they that's they right. all are 500 teams. None of it's unlikely yeah. that
1: <clears throat> New Orleans <players throat> is a 500 gonna, team now.
0: Yeah, they're they're going to go 10 and 1 in their next 11 games. Like so I think it's survivable for them um it doesn't really change my long term outlook for their season it's going to be it's going to be a low ish playoff seed for them if they get into the playoffs or the play in but you know that's where i am with the warriors any other warriors
1: thoughts i think um obviously curry's
0: mvp case if he had any left is now going to be over
1: yeah i agree so the, the craziest thing about the Warriors, I don't know where the stat is right now. I think um, coming into the game, we had on national TV on Saturday night. They were fourth in, in defense at home and 28th in defense on the road. That is, to me, a complete, um, uh, it's, what it reveals is a complete lack of focus. A team that, when it decides to focus, can be very, very good. And on the road, they just don't focus because they've won four titles. And this is, uh, you know, as old as time, I always talk about the Pat Riley story, you know, historically, you know, Riley gets all this credit because I think it was in 87 at the championship parade. He like guaranteed they were going to do it again. And he made that like, like, you know, and we're going to do it again. And he gave like that sideways look. It was just so Riley cool and everything. But uh, I talked to Pat about that. The reason Pat did that was because they had won, you know, a couple of previous championships and the next year totally came back with no, with no edge and it drove Riley up a wall and he wanted to put pressure on them. And if he didn't do it at the parade, he would have done it in training camp the next year. He wanted to put pressure on them to actually care. This is a story as old as time. So, I think that if anything this might actually prod the warriors into actually trying and showing the intensity that I know exists. The one thing I keep saying about this team is the championship team is still in there. I see it in oh, flashes.
0: I totally agree.
1: So I- it's possible that there could be a quote-unquote good. I'm not saying they're going to go 9 and 3, but I think that it could <laughs> I think they could look around and go, "Boy, we we really we really should probably care about this road game in Portland. We should really no try to win this game in utah we should really dig in for this uh, this game in oklahoma city we should you know, try to get this one um and uh, i suspect it, it will force them to do that that's the one, that's my my snap take on on my view of them
0: uh will put it this way fully healthy warriors versus fully healthy mavericks in a playoff series i don't care who has home court advantage i'm taking the warriors um, and um and i guess that's that's all um on that, Woj just reported, by the way, surprised to neither you or I, that the CBA um, opt-out will likely be extended again, allowing yeah. the union and the league to continue to negotiate. Not a surprise. Any other teams you want to hit quickly as we approach these last four days? We've mostly focused on the Kyrie, Stratosphere, Universe, whatever, Multiverse. Uh, any other teams we should talk about?
1: Well, i just say there's still a lot going on out there. I, I still don't know what the Raptors are going to do. Um, <clears throat> The Nets, nets are, are, now nets are highly, definitely
0: nets Are definitely calling the Raptors the last yeah, 24 I mean, hours.
1: If the Nets could flip some of the stuff that they got and pry OG and OB out of there, you may have something there with the Nets, but I don't know if they're going to be able to. Keep in mind the Nets now have they have three picks that they can trade, right? They have two picks from the 76ers and one pick from the Mavericks, right? So three picks that they can trade, plus the other stuff they got on their team. Uh, and by the way, last year at the trade deadline, I'm not saying that, that Nick Claxton is a, you know, transformational offering. The Raptors were trying to get Nick Claxton a year ago. The Raptors... Yeah, they offered a first been, for
0: him, and the and the Nets, in what turned out to be a very prescient move, said, no thanks.
1: Right. And I know that, that Dorian Finney-Smith isn't OG Ananobi, but... Not bad.
0: <laughs> I'm not so, I'm not putting I don't think I'm putting Claxton in an offer for any of the Raptors, guys. Cut Cla- well, Claxton's gotten too good. That's
1: Claxton's fine. Good. I'm just telling you, the Nets offering ability with with what Toronto has is suddenly very interesting. I'm just gonna leave it at that. The other thing I'm gonna say is we've heard nothing on Boyan Bogdanovich at all in recent days. That could end up being a Player, if he gets traded, like I'm not saying that I think the Lakers are going to pull it off, but if the Lakers could pry Boyan by Thursday, I would. You know, you could. I would have a completely different view of how they handle their business.
0: Yeah, and um, you, if you're the Lakers, if you're offering the you, you have to call and see if you can get him for one of the unprotected picks. Like that, why not? Like it just like I. I've, I've, I actually, I don't know that that's true. I, I sometimes think the worst thing they can do is go half in like that, like let's trade one pick for a pretty good player who makes our team pretty good. But I would at least, AD looks good enough since he came back from injury, and the West looks muddled enough that. I got to have a new meeting about that and think about yeah. it. And also like the, the Levine, I mean, I don't know what the bulls are going to do, but the Levine for Russ and two picks thing is always one of the interesting fake trades.
1: I, I don't think the bulls are trading Levine. If they do, I'll have a egg on my face. I just, I mean, there is some package they would trade him for, I, I don't think the bulls are going to surrender. Uh, and also their, their, their situation, even though you could argue it's smart, their situation where they don't control their draft pick this year doesn't behoove tanking. No. And that would be a tanking. That would be a tanking move. Um, so I would, uh, I would say Boyan is now a guy that no one is talking about that I am. Cause that's a player who could, could make a difference. And then obviously Toronto and one more thing. Are we a hundred percent sure?
2: 100%
1: that the Blazers are holding Jeremy Grant. Are we one hundred percent sure about that?
0: I look, I've been on the Blazers as a wildcard team for three weeks now, saying, like I just are they just ok being this I mean, mediocre, like we're maximizing Dame's Prime, but not really. We're not very good. Like, and the only now they're just barely under the tax, right? They're sixty seven thousand dollars under the tax. And they are not going to go over the tax. They will not be ending of the season over the tax. The only interest, like Josh Hart is nice, but that's a deck chair move. Nurkic with three years left on his deal is a deck chair move. The only meaningful, the only meaningful stuff they have to really shake it up is Grant and Simons. I would, and Sharp, I would be looking around at Simons deals just to see how much he's valued around the league and what I could get with him. I don't get the vibe from them that they're super interested in doing that. They love Simons. He's their guy. He's the bridge to the future. They traded McCollum to free up his role, et cetera. So that leaves Grant, who's eligible for an extension, hasn't signed one. Obviously, Dame wanted Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's been really good for them. But I, I agree with you. They're a team to watch. I it, just, it
1: sounds to me – I said this on my pod the other day. It, I, it sounds like the, like the Blazers are trying to buy. Yeah, but like they are. So maybe they will buy. But I'm just, I just, I just, I'm just asking, I mean, where are you at on Jeremy Grant?
0: I, I would expect, I I would bet on them keeping him because I think, okay. I I think buying for them, the most likely buy is like, can we get a small upgrade somewhere for Josh Hart or this and that? So, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it's out of bounds that he gets traded. I I would go like 90, 10. He's still on the team after the trade deadline, but maybe 80, 20.
1: all right, so I would say Fred VanVleet, OG Ananobi, Boyan Bagdanovich, three guys I'm going to be paying a lot of it. I'm going to, have to be having a lot of conversations about between now and Thursday. Secondary list, Jeremy Grant, Zach Levine, although I don't think Zach's getting traded, and you don't think Jeremy's getting traded, and I accept both of those. Um, what am I forgetting?
0: Uh, I think Jakob Pertl, and uh, I I how big will the sell-off be in Utah um, is another question that teams around the league are trying to get a gauge on. Um, Some think it's going to be massive. Like the half their team will be gone in four days. Others think that's just sort of a posturing for now. And well, so we'll see, but those guys all well, have yeah, so some value. Malik
1: Beasley is a high volume, three point shooter, but he's, he's a bench player, right? Jared Vanderbilt. He's a bench player. You know, again, uh, high motor, he's a bench player. Mike Conley would be interesting, but he is a supporting role player. Um, I'm not so sure that a deal completely changes. The, like, there are some people who think that the Lakers should go get all three. You know, put the same offer on the table uh, and, you know, go get, go get those three players. That would be an interesting move. I'd rather um, trade
0: one pick for Bogdanovich than two picks for the I Utah agree. guys' poo-poo platter. I agree. All right, Wendy, you got to go do TV. We're both going to be on TV later today. It's yeah. now seven ten a.m. in Los Angeles.
1: Um, we, do, we did this at 6 a.m. to get this to you guys as fast as possible.
0: Four days till the trade deadline. And oh, by the way, LeBron might break the all-time scoring record either tomorrow or Thursday. So buckle yeah. up. It's going to be a busy week in the NBA. Wendy, thank you, sir.
1: Thanks, Zach.